Welcome to Oncology and Technology, a podcast from CareVive, where we're improving the lives of cancer patients through better outcomes. Hello and welcome to the Oncology and Technology podcast brought to you by CareVive. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney, and today we're talking about revenue-enhancing opportunities, and I am excited to get into this conversation because it means great news in the medical field, especially with those who are managing oncology patients. So please help me welcome my guest today. John Elliott is the VP of Sales for CareVive. John, thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, thanks so much, Michelle. It's a great topic to talk about. It really is. And we have a lot to get to. Before we do that, though, can I ask you for a brief bio so people can learn a little bit more about who they are about to hear from? Sure. I'm John Elliott with CareVive. Uh, I lead our provider business. So we're mostly firsthand with cancer centers, both independent and hospital-based or hospital affiliated cancer centers, working to improve outcomes. Um, we're really supporting the whole oncology continuum from treatment uh, through symptom management, through survivorship. Um, been around for 10 years and you know, have, a, have a wide range of, of sites that are utilizing CareVive again, to improve those outcomes of lower costs. I love one word in particular, survivorship, that you mentioned. So important. It's such important work that you're doing. And the conversation, as you said, is an important one. So let's get into it. A lot of changes over the last few months and that we'll see in the next couple of months. We're talking about a complete shift from the OCM to EOM. So can you talk about the enhancing oncology model? What does that mean? What does it look like? Sure. So, I mean... Gosh, since uh, June when they first announced it and kind of the end of OCM, the oncology care model, then to this enhancing oncology model that'll start July 1, we've been in this transition phase, right? So a lot of sites that previously participated in the value-based plan, CMS's value-based plan for oncology, uh, some of those have a great foundation. They're looking to leverage and they're looking forward to this two-sided risk model. They, again, have a great foundation. They can leverage uh, others may have participated. They're not interested in this uh, two-sided risk. They uh, they may not have had as better as good outcomes, and their baselines may be um, not where they would like them to be. And, and financially, it doesn't make sense for them. Uh, we have others that that don't have any of that experience, and they're just coming in net new to this uh, EOM model. So it's um, there's a lot of different current state, I'd say, baselines when you look from one cancer center to the other, and um, that's one of the things we focus on is helping them understand what's what is your current state? How? What is this change going to mean for you and your patient population? And how can we best leverage your resources? How can we look at any specific you know, specific tumor types? And the little nuances in the the change in the model, such as you know not covering the whole patient population, only covering those seven tumor types. EOM specifies seven tumor types. You know, it also it, it leads to so many other questions, uh, or even. Um, Opportunities. Uh, we talk about revenue enhancing opportunities. It's going to lead to opportunities to participate and still do chronic care management. Uh, it's a fee for service reimbursement model from CMS for oncology patients. So now your folks, we are evaluating uh, both and want to participate in both. So, a lot of questions that you mentioned because we're talking about a lot of newness here, all new things and what to expect. So, what's next? Because you talked about the application process. And so, by now, those who have been approved will have learned that they have been approved. So what's next in the steps of what needs to happen? Sure. So, uh, you know, everybody's looking for the July 1 start. And uh, as you mentioned just recently, so folks submitted their application. Uh, I think it was extended to October 11th. So they submitted back in early October at the very latest. 
they heard back now from what we've heard from our current clients and those we speak to in the market is that nearly everybody's heard heard of acceptance from cms over the course of february so um now they're thinking okay what do i need to actually do well i've been accepted and they're really taking the the financial analysis seriously so for most sites that's a very internal uh, process with the cfo and your revenue folks or your finance folks determining okay and again Different folks have different baselines. One cancer center, one cancer center is a phrase we use a lot. So they may have great baseline data to reference. They may have, a, uh, that enables them to have better forecasts on what this two-sided risk could bring to them. Like what's the net of uh, this model for them? Others um, aren't. So CMS did also provide a, back in the January timeframe, time frame, provided a, um, a baseline calculation. So it's kind of helping them. It's a tool for them to help. Uh, best forecasts and determine financially what the impact is going to be on the organization. And that is what we've heard is the number one really focus right now, right? I've been accepted. Now let's crunch the numbers. They felt that was a little premature until they got the official acceptance. So you crunch the numbers, then uh, we believe it's going to be sometime in the March timeframe that uh, you're required to then, if you'd like to participate, to confirm, essentially um, accept your acceptance. And then, uh, and then you're down to this pretty small window of the March, April, May, June timeframe to actually implement those practice redesign activities so that you're ready and you can hit that July one full stride. Uh, those changes that you've had to make people, processes, and technology being full stride uh, by July one. So you talked about the practice redesign activities. Uh, there's a lot there though. And if people are getting a little nervous, um, the sites are saying, you know, we only have, as you said, a short amount of time. Is there any help available for them to meet that July 1st deadline? Sure. And and for some sites, it's much more, um, I'd say, a stressful or much more uh, um, stronger sense of urgency for some than others because, again, they may have a good baseline. They may have a good foundation based on historical, uh, the OCM model experience. Others, again, are coming in net new. So, yes, there are. Um, you know, I mentioned the financial component. We, we've partnered and worked closely with Forbis as a uh, business management consulting organization to help them. Uh, they have a great model that pulls some of the historical data from OCM. From 2019, they pull out that uh, that COVID data and can get to a, a, a they feel is the most accurate um, baseline and it's a data set to populate this model and, and give the appropriate estimate on what the financial impact is going to be. So you got financial uh, partners such as Forbis, Carevive works closely with. Um, and then you have folks like CareVive that help you with the people, processes, and technology. How can you uh, how can you evaluate that current state? How can you prepare for that change management? How can you leverage your existing resources? How can you make the most of them, be most efficient, automate processes? And um, you know, well, one example would be uh, the practice redesign activity, the new practice redesign activity of electronic patient reported outcomes. So given that's that new, whether you participated in the previous model or not, that is new to everybody. And uh, you have partners like CareVive, and others in the e press space that are, that are out there to help you understand what does this mean, right? This is a new technology brought into a reimbursement model um, uh, with, with great intent. And the research has all shown the impact on outcomes, reduced reduction of hospitalizations and ED visits, um, the reduction of overall like, our improvement of quality of life. The research has shown the value or impact of e pros for a long time, and that's why it's in the model. But and for many folks, it's new. It's taking a manual process of a triage line where folks report symptoms via phone, right? And, uh, and putting this into an automated systemic process that's in integrated in their workflow, ideally. And um, 
that's where they come to partners again, like CareVive and other technology partners. CareVive is really focused on again, the people process and technology. It's all one. If you just were to go with the technology and a flip of a switch of ePros, we don't believe, and a lot of the research has already shown for pilots that have been done out there, simply implementing ePros is, is, does not mean adoption of ePros, right? And doesn't equate to the, to the outcomes that uh, were really intended and the whole logic behind including ePros in the model. As you said, not everybody chose to jump on board for EOM, but for those who did and applied and who are now approved, why is this so important for them? Why is this so important for those who are managing oncology patients? Yeah, it's, it's um, well, I'd say it's not only oncology. If we look across healthcare broadly, you have a lot of uh, constrained resources, right? And efficiency is key. And being able to have you know, understanding the patients that are experiencing the most severe symptoms, so capturing those symptoms at the right time, having a line of communication. I continue to focus here on the EPROS component. There's many other aspects of this access to care. Um, there's many other aspects that cover across the practice redesign activities that are all driving to uh, health equity, access to care, the electronic medical record, 24-7 access. Um, this is so important because we've learned not only within oncology, but across healthcare, those are the big big barriers uh, that health systems are having are forced to address. And uh, we know when they are, the improve, the outcomes improve and the costs go down. So we all, I think we all, it's unanimous that everybody wants to improve the outcomes and reduce costs. And EOM is just, you know, it's the, the methodology uh, that CMS has moved forward with. And for, you know, we look at folks and we see different patient payer mixes. You know, some folks may have a larger or smaller uh, Medicare population. And for those that are predominantly uh, Medicare, this is this is a really big decision and can make a huge financial impact and a huge impact on uh, the outcome of their patients. Talking about improvements and the ultimate goal for all of this, why we're talking here today, what you do and what all of these sites are doing is to give the patient better care. So how will this help the patient? How is EOM going to make it even better for patient care? Yeah, so you're providing uh, ease of access and you're providing, stick with ePros as the example. So technology uh, means of engaging your care team, your care team being alerted of your severity of your symptom, being able to trend that over time. So it's not just those uh, more episodic or say those um, biweekly consults that you're having with your oncology multidisciplinary team or potentially even just your medical oncologist to share what's going on and What's going on between infusion treatments? How are you feeling? Where we know that you know forty percent of the time they're not even communicating uh, how they, those visits. So having this technology uh, really fills that gap, provides that longitudinal record with uh, real world evidence or real world experience across the oncology population, face up right there for the care team to see. So it really can take what maybe historically would have been a lot more information collection and gathering at a consult to much more prescriptive, um, consultative discussion around how to manage those. Um, and, and really, a lot of that time that was talked about managing those, they're getting real-time content. They're getting real-time, you know, this is normal. What you're feeling is normal. Uh, number one, if it's feeling is normal and it's mild or moderate, you know, no need to go to the emergency room, right? That's something historically may have been the path. Uh, or, hey, this is severe. Uh, this is actually, but being severe, this is normal for this specific tumor type and treatment, right? So again, you know it's severe, it's not applicable or appropriate to go to the emergency room, or it's severe and we have a care team or the care, the cancer center has a care team that's being prompted to reach out to you and to address that, right? And provide the right support and services 
at a much lower cost and a much better quality of life than, say, going to the emergency room. And really personalized and catered more to that patient's exactly. individual needs, which is so important as they are battling what they're, they are. So we are so happy to hear this news because hopefully improvements for better patient care and ultimately taking better care of patients. So any final thoughts here, John, as we're wrapping up? Sure. I, I think, you know, it's, I always try to do my best to share trends that we're hearing from both our current customers and clients, partners, and, and those that we're engaging with across the oncology ecosystem. And and it's really this, uh, with the new model, only capturing 85% of the oncology population, it really allows this opportunity for folks to also do chronic care management, uh, which is a traditional fee-for-service uh, model, but it allows that outreach and support for patients remotely. So we have these uh, centers that are looking at, you know, what is the return on investment for supporting and the, you know, the technologies that I'm looking into for EOM, can they also support chronic care management of, across the oncology population and say those 15% of tumor types that weren't included in the EOM model. So that's, um, that's, a, that's definitely a trend and, and from a return on investment and from a financials, uh, that, that is a great mindset to be in because they're trying to, um, you know, really make the most out of any technology or people process investment that they make. So they're looking holistically across the patient population. Um, so that is uh, certainly what we've continued to hear. It's over several weeks now that's come up over almost in nearly every single conversation. So great to see that centers are looking at, looking at the population in a comprehensive manner, right? We want to provide a standard of care for one population versus another based on their payer mix or, or based on their reimbursements um, or how they fit into a model. We want to we want folks to see and really the whole ecosystem view the oncology patient population as, you know, comprehensive um, uh, population that can utilize a standard of care in both people processes and technology. So there's not this deviation or you know, variation that can lead to, you know, non-ideal or, or less than ideal outcomes. So the whole standardization of people processes and technologies across all tumor types, um, it's great to see that coming out of cancer centers. Absolutely. Where can people find more information about what we're talking about here today? Sure. You can always access uh, carebyte.com. We've also had some great press releases. Check out LinkedIn. Recently, we released our um, symptom pathways. So that's uh, called our STAIRS application. So it's building on to ePros and helping centers, helping nurses and care teams with that efficiency and practicing at the top of their licenses, being very prescriptive on what to do in, for this specific patient. So very personalized pathways based on symptoms. So we've heard great feedback on that. That was very innovation, uh, innovative. Um, we had received a grant uh, several years ago from the NCI, so we're fortunate to receive that grant and really put innovation uh, into our technology, and it's going to make an impact. Um, so we're excited to bring that to market just recently. Um, we have our native app release. So again, making it easy, this whole idea, uh, belief, and I believe it's very real, this consumerism in healthcare, the expectation, right? So making it easy to access and engage your care team. Uh, using mobile apps to be able to report symptoms. So we're releasing our, our native app. Um, so that's kind of new. Great. Again, you can access those press releases. You can access you know, how to engage us, John Elliott CareVibe at carevibe.com or check out uh, LinkedIn. We're, we always try to be active on social. A lot of newness happening and a lot of information there at carevibe.com, as you said. John Elliott is the VP of sales for CareVibe. And John, I appreciate your time. As you said, an important conversation to have. And it's exciting to see that we're trending in the right direction to get even better patient care. So thank you for being with me today. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Michelle. Anytime. 
And I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in to Oncology and Technology, a podcast brought to you by CareVive. We are talking about revenue-enhancing opportunities and the switch from OCM to EOM and some great news to see where we're headed in the future to have even better patient care, as you said. As John said, you can reach out to him personally. You can also go to carevive.com for more information there. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Michelle Don Looney. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.